together and just worship you. We just praise you, Father, that your spirit is within us to make us priests unto you, to worship you in spirit and in truth. To open our hearts, Father, and let our hearts be the treasures in your presence right now. We just declare our love to you. As we adore you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Just turn to somebody and shake their hands. Hug their neck. Tell them, I'm glad you're here tonight. Just bless them. Hallelujah. brother. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you blessed tonight? So glad you made it out. Glad you're here. First thing I'd like to do, I'd just like to give you an update. I know many of you know about uh, uh, our secretary had got a real bad car wreck uh, Sunday after she left church and uh, totaled her car and she was in the hospital. And when we first got there, of course, the doctors were speaking a lot of different things, brain damage. And of course, they were um, even wondering about her life and a number of different things, but God did a miracle and just let you know she's going home tomorrow. And so we praise God for that. Amen. Every time they said that something wasn't going to happen, it happened. And that's how our God is. Amen. Glory to God. And I know many of you have got your testimonies about how God always has come through. Uh, don't forget of course, we're still receiving donations for the Christ for Our Nation's Navajo Outreach. And uh, just remember uh, the boxes for the canned goods and toys and personal items. And it's going to be such a blessing to them. And we're excited about everything that's just coming in. We got a lot of stuff in the back and stuff up here. And it's just, I know it's going to mean a lot to them. Uh, the Young at Heart and SWAT, the singles are going to be meeting at Sam's Club Picnic and Bowling. Thursday, November 19th at 1145. Battle of the Bands this Friday. Got, a, I think, four or five bands that are going to be here. And they're going to be having an awesome time this Friday at 6.30. And uh, bring $5, and that's going to be going in a canned good. And that's going towards the Navajos also. And then uh, the singles will be meeting in the Grand Theater November 21st at 6 o'clock. And uh, they'll be uh, doing for that. Of course, Sister Cindy was supposed to be in charge of that. She's not going to be there, but she, I know she wants everybody to do it anyway. So, hallelujah, I know it would be a blessing. I want to read to you out of Isaiah chapter 53. One of the prophetic words concerning our Jesus, years and centuries before he came. And it's just a promise to us here in Isaiah 53, verse 3, about the price he paid for you and I. Something that we're thankful for for the rest of our life and through eternity. And it says in Isaiah 53, verse 3, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That was our sorrows and our grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised. He, was, he, brought, he bore our shame, and we did not esteem him. Verse 4 says, surely he has borne our griefs. Aren't you glad you don't have to carry any griefs anymore? The traumas of all that happened before you were a new creation, there's healing for you. He bore the traumas. He bore the shame. He bore the guilt. And it says he bore your griefs, and he carried our sorrows. The sorrows over mistakes, over Last, uh, past identities and things that the enemies would try to bring up. And it goes on to say that smitten by God and afflicted, verse 5 says that he was wounded for our transgressions, for our sins, and for the sins of our fathers. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. 
Aren't you thankful that you're healed in your body? You're healed in your mind. You're healed in your marriage. You're healed in your life. Aren't you thankful that you have a God that loves you so much that he was willing to send his, his son to pay the supreme sacrifice for you and I? And as we get close to Thanksgiving, so many people say, you know, I don't have nothing to thank God for. I want you to know you yourself has a story to thank God that I once was lost and I was blind, but now I see. And that's something we got to always speak every morning. We get up thankful that he carried our sorrows and our diseases. Every day we get up thankful and we go to bed thankful. And we're not those who go around saying that life stinks because he gave us life and eternal life. Praise God. So I just want to bless you and remind you that we have a God who is faithful. He's God that cares. He's a God that loves. And that anything you might have had happen in your life, he carried and he paid the price so you go free. So I just want you to receive that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's just come forward. We'll get received tonight's offerings and tithe. And Father, we come before you and we thank you that you bore not only our natural affliction, but you bore the physical and the spiritual affliction, nailing it to the cross once and for all. We thank you that because Christ paid the ransom, we can go free. Thank you, Lord. You said in Galatians 5 that since we are free, never to go back to the slavery of the past. So we decree our freedom tonight. We receive it because you gave it. And through grace, we receive what you purchased with the price of taking those nails and taking the punishment and grief and sorrows in our place. And we're eternal grateful, and we praise you, and we thank you for it, Heavenly Father. We bless you, Father, and we thank you for your precious gift of Jesus, our Savior. We thank you, and we bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you hear me? Can y'all hear me? Hallelujah. You got me? Hallelujah. You, you can hear me now, huh? Can you hear me now? All right. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Hallelujah. Good to see y'all tonight. We just bless you. Glad you're here. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful for the peace that passes all understanding? In the midst of it all, that there is God who is able to cover your mind and cover your heart and keep you from going crazy. You're not going crazy. Hallelujah. He's your keeper. He keeps you, even in the midst of the storms. And so I just want to encourage you and bless you tonight as we get into some word. As you know, we've been studying now for over a month, Romans, uh, the book of Romans, and we're still in Romans chapter 1. And, uh, but it's so rich, and so far today, we don't want to rush through it. And I just want you to see here in... Uh, Verse 18, it says, but God, this is the New Living Translation, it says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Aren't you thankful that's not you anymore? We welcome the truth, don't we? They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, men have seen the earth and sky, and through these qualities, the eternal power, the divine nature... So the Bible says men are without excuse, and we've already studied all this, and you can catch up on it uh, in sessions before. Verse 21, it says, yes, they know God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give, thank, give him thanks. They begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like, and as a result, their minds became dark and confused, and they claimed to be wise, but instead they become utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols and, and people, so forth and so on. And I just want to touch a few things I, I was sharing on that they suppressed God in their minds and their thoughts. And the word imaginations there means uh, reasonings. It means conclusions, speculations, vain and empty thoughts, unsuccessful, senseless and worthless. Any thought that doesn't come from God that is man-made and it is, rises from the flesh, it, it, it will just bring us down. And God is talking about warning us there that we're to fill our mind with God thoughts instead of the flesh thoughts. And the word foolish means senseless, without understanding, unintelligent, blinded, not able to see. And Psalms 82.5 says, they knew not, neither will they understand. They will not understand. They walk on in darkness. Aren't you glad you've been delivered from darkness? Amen. That's why we study this word, and as we get into the meat of it tonight, uh, to get a hold of it, that his word is that two-edged sword that penetrates to deliver us and set us free. And then it talks about men rejecting God, believing like we hear even today. Too wise to believe in God. How do I know there is a God? Too intelligent to depend upon the fables, as they call it, of the Bible. Too capable not look to self, that I am self-sufficient and self-made. Too resourceful not to create, uh, to, for man to be able to create his own world and future and humanistic ideas of being emptied of God and filled of their selves and men dethroning and erasing God from their lives. And I shared last week that when we do our own will, that whenever the word tells us to do something, we don't do it. It's like erasing it out of here and ex pretending it doesn't exist. But no matter how much we erase it or no matter how we try to uh, even talk ourselves or live in, in denial of what sin is, what the word calls sin is still sin. No matter what the world or government will ever call politically correct 
And as we go into days where, as we get into themes here in Romans, as we speak out of the Word of God, uh, it will not be politically correct, but God is not a, a man to be judged or that he should lie or to be put on a, a human stance aside, but he is the one who created and wrote the Word and told us and gave us these precepts to believe. And the humanist ideals is that man is the God of his own life, master of the world, makers of their own destiny, lawgivers of their own laws, determine their own morality and standard by which I live and by which I'm governed. Man will not tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to be free to do as I please. And whatever desires I have in my life, I'm going to give over to that. Uh, and that's giving yourselves over to idol worship and giving yourselves over to self-worship. And so we're going to stay free from that. But tonight... I, was, I gave you these scriptures last week. Tonight, we want to look at verse 24. It says, therefore, God gave them up. And we're going to look at these words. I just want this to set in. God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts. Okay, you want to exist that I don't exist? You want to believe I don't exist? You don't want to hold my true as value and exalted above my name? You want to make the laws for your own life? You want to govern in the ways you please? There comes to a point where it says, I will give you up to the lust of your hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchange the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now I want to stop there tonight and I just want to share a few things with you about defiling God, which ends up defiling ourselves. If we sin against ourselves, how many know what this is teaching us as we're going to see tonight, that when I sin against my own self, I'm only hurting my own self. And many people say, well, why doesn't God stop people from doing that? How many of you know that you are a creature of free choice? Adam and Eve chose to partake of the forbidden fruit. And when they were kicked out of the garden, they were kicked out as slaves under the hand of Satan. And, and God, Satan became the god of this world system. But Jesus came to buy us back and purchase us and free us. And we don't have to live according to the dictates of the flesh. We don't have to have the, the old nature controlling us and, and telling us what to do or controlling our mind or our thoughts. But aren't you glad that any man being Christ is a new creature in Christ Jesus? The word, the word desire, if you're taking notes, means forbidden pleasures. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. There is pleasure in sin. There is things that the body looks for for pleasure, but later on there's the judgment, and then there's the uh, curse that these actions bring upon us. The word forbidden pleasure is even words that are prohibited to speak in the presence of God because they're, 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 they're so... As he says, it causes them to become nausea before him because of the sin of the people. Shameless deeds that speak of things being immersed in the world. Therefore, we get away from the awareness of God. I want you to hold your place in Romans, but look with me, Ephesians chapter 17. I want you to see some of these scriptures that Paul shares with us in light of this as we get into it tonight. Ephesians 4, 17. This is the New Living Translation. Ephesians 4 verse 17 says, With the Lord's authority I say this. I want you to hear this. It says, With the Lord's authority. There's authority in the Word of God. There's authority that can prick us, convict us. But I want you to know there is also an authority, hallelujah, to drive the enemy away from us 
and to bring the flesh under subjection. Amen. Aren't you glad that we're not called to be children who are tossed to and fro, but we're called to be anchored in the foundation of the rock and the word. And it says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Don't live any longer as the Gentiles, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. Paul is saying, I have the God back, I have my Father and my God backing me up as I write to you. Be careful not to be as the world, to become hardened to the hardness of the heart or closing your mind to what is true in the Word. It says in verse 19, they have no sense of shame. Sin used to make you shudder. Sin used to make us blush. But as we continue to practice sin and we continue to excuse ourselves without being excused by God, He gives, gives us over and say, you, you want to live your life? You're hurting yourself as well as hurting my heart. But I'm not going to go against your free will. And Paul is saying, I'm saying this under the authority of heaven who sees and knows all things. There's an area to be careful about your heart and your mind. Don't close it to the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit when he says, that is not what a daughter of God does. That is not what a son of God does. Do not participate in their works. It says they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure. There's that Greek word. Lustful pleasure. And eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off. Say, in the name of Jesus, I have thrown off the sinful nature, the old man, and I have put on the new man, created, formed, and anointed after the image of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, get, you give Him praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is victory. There is victory. There's an authority in the Word of God that you're not called to walk under the bondages of the past, but you're called to walk over the works of the enemy as Jesus did. That even in your weakest point, when Satan came to tempt him, he was able to say, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. I will not close my mind or my heart to what is written, because what is written is my sword against the enemy to defeat him and to crush him. Hallelujah. And I want you to know in the name of Jesus that you are receiving authority and power to go to a new level tonight. You have come here as disciples and study, studiers of the Word of God to leave here, not under the control of the enemy, but the enemy under your control in the name of Jesus. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. You can't continue to live the way you used to live if you call yourself a child and a saint of God. It says, throw off your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Holy Spirit, capital S, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Verse 24, put on your new nature, created 
to be godlike, truly righteous, and truly holy. Boy, that's powerful. And the good news is, what you cannot do in yourself, the grace of God is able to help you, strengthen you to do what you're not able to do. And that's why we give God glory every day that in my weakness he is made strong. But his grace is not an excuse to live according to the former way, to shut our minds off what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us and to say. Hosea 4.17, you don't have to look it up. There's a word that says Ephraim, which was Joseph's son who received the inheritance of Abraham and Jacob. Ephraim is joined to idols. This is what God says. Let him alone. We read in Romans that he said he gave those who closed their hearts and minds to the truth, he gave them up to their pleasures. In other words, you want to worship idols? You want to live according to the old nature? Leave them alone. There's consequences. Pray for them, love them, but leave them alone. It's an open choice. I want you to see something. Hold your place in Romans 1. Now go with me to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Thank God for the freedom to preach this word tonight on the internet, not worrying about police coming in here to arrest me, especially when I get into homosexuality next week or the week after. It's quiet in here. Acts chapter 742. Acts chapter 742. Uh, let me read in the New Living Translation. It says, Then God turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven. He turned away from them and abandoned them. We read in the book of Romans that he will abandon those who desire to just go on and continue. And that word abandon, this, this is something, the word abandon in the Greek, it's not a word for anger. It's not a word for condemnation. It's not a word for judgment. If you're taking notes, it's a word. It says it's a, regret, it's a sorrowful regret. It's a sorrowful regret. And when you look it up in the Hebrew, this is what, in the Greek, this is what it means. And you can, if you're a parent, you've been here before. That word abandoned means, I've done everything I can do possibly to get you out of that situation. I've given you my Holy Spirit. I've given you the word. I've given my son. I've done everything as a father that I can do to get you out of that situation and you still refuse and I am regretful and sorrowful to say I have to release you and let you live the life you have chosen. When you read these words and these three in Ephesians and Acts and Romans and it talks about God abandoning. It's the most horrible thing to think. To be abandoned by God. And it was never his will. And it's not his will. But he says if you continue to close your heart and close your mind. And willfully continue to live the life you so desire. And be Lord of your own life. I have nothing else to but sorrowfully regret and inform you. That I've done everything I can and now I release you. Doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. But it means there's no more he can do for you. It's the same thing in Luke. 15 of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son came to the father and says, I want my inheritance. I want what belongs to me. 
The father wasn't even deceased yet, but he was already wanting, and the father ended up having to give it to him regretfully, knowing that his son was not wise and mature enough to receive what he was about to receive. The choice in itself is judgment. The choice in itself. The more we sin, the easier it is to sin. What God is saying about abandoning us, letting us go, releasing, what's he saying there is, is not that I'm going to punish you, but the sin itself is going to punish you. So many people go, God is punishing me for my past. I hear it all the time, and I tell them no. And they say, God is punishing me for my past. No, beloved, God is not punishing you for your past. The sin is punishing you. The wages of sin, it's payment. And so God is warning us in his word, and Paul is saying, I'm saying this through the authority of God as truth, backed up by the kingdom of God, that he, that he has given a warning to his body here, and he's saying, be careful and take heed, because many people will, will blame God for the punishment. America right now is not being punished by God. Our sin is punishing us. And that's what we don't want to get down to. Going back to slavery, going back to Pharaoh, going back to eat the onions and the garlic, going back to the old life, even though they were being supernaturally provided by God every morning and every afternoon, walking in the shadow of the fire and the shadow of the cloud by day and night. That wasn't good enough. They missed the onion and the garlics and the slavery underneath Pharaoh's hand because they forgot the the evilness and the hardness and the hardship of living as a slave under the hand of this God. I want to read to you a saying I found by a rabbi. Listen to this. Every fulfillment of duty is rewarded by another, and every transgression is punished by another. Whosoever strives to keep himself pure receives the power to do so. My strength is sufficient for thee. Remember that scripture. But whosoever strives to keep himself pure receives the power to do so. But whosoever is impure, to him the door of vice is thrown open. He who erects a fence around himself is fenced. And he who gives himself over is given over. That's what it says there in the book of Romans in the New Testament that if you give yourselves to these things as it goes on to list, that he has nothing to do but to release you and his heart is crying for you and Jesus is interceding for you. But there's punishment in that type of a lifestyle and there is no pleasure known ever from the past, the present, and the future. There is no pleasure that will ever give you the peace and the joy and the satisfaction like living a life that's pleasing to God who, who owns us. That's what it's speaking about here. The most terrible thing, and, and this is another writing, the most terrible thing about sin is just this power to give rise to further sin. It is the awful responsibility of free will that it can be used in such a way that the end is obliterated and people become slave of sin, self-abandoned to the wrong way. And sin is always a lie because sinners think that it will make them happy. Whereas in the end, it ruins life. Both for them, and I'm going to get this at the other, as I get to it. 
It doesn't only ruin your life because usually you cannot sin alone. It destroys lives and it destroys the lives of those who are involved in the sin with us. We don't only destroy ourselves, we destroy those who are participating in that area. And it destroys the lives of others and the world as they know it comes to an end. The sin becomes the place of worship because that's what we put in the place of God. Whatever we love more than God first, becomes that, that becomes the place of worship. And only the place of worship where God is brings the blessing. The word heart there means the eternal proceeding from the external. My body follows my heart. Out of the heart proceeds. He says there, you close their heart. Their heart is no more receptive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What is written in the word of God, thou shalt not. And now we want to receive. And you can remove the thou shalt not. And even in America, they can remove the thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet. They can remove all the thou shalt nots that they want to. But the word still remains the word. They can martyr over all the words of God in our capital. But God is still God and his word is still ruling. It says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie as false worship. I believe the lie, therefore I start following the lie. The lie becomes a sin and I start worshiping that which I give myself over to. What I worship becomes the center of my life. And what I consider great becomes greater as I give myself over to it. Why don't you look with me in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 5. Matthew chapter 13, verse 5. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, underlying sins. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with the ears to hear should listen and understand. The disciples asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. Oh, don't you receive that tonight? Good heart, good treasures, abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So many times, how can that person go? I, I knew them. They, I, I remember them in church. They, saw, they taught Sunday school. They used to be in Sunday school. They used to be in church. How could they go, they go so far living that type of lifestyle? Because their hearts were not receptive to all the word of God. They were selective in their hearing. They were selective in their action. And because the soil was so small, the seeds that fell took root. But then what was given was taken away. And even what they knew was taken away. And therefore, they had no more knowledge of God in their hearts or their mind. Therefore, they were free to go after the dictates of of the flesh and worship self instead of worship God and sin in itself becomes the punishment 
That is why I use parables, for they look, but they don't really see. They look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they really don't listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says what you hear. When you hear what I say, you will not understand. And when you see what I, what I do, you do not comprehend. For the hearts of the people are hardened. And their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes. They have closed their eyes. No, I don't want to see that. I don't, want, I don't want to see that type of scripture. I don't want to hear that type of word. They've closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see. And their ears cannot hear. And their hearts can understand. And they cannot turn to me. And let me heal them. It says it right there. Since they don't want to see, they will not see. And because they do not want to hear, they cannot hear. And since they cannot see and they cannot hear, they do not turn to me. Surrender to me so that I can heal them. But they continue living a lifestyle after their own will, after their own pleasure, after their own heart. And then they end up living under the consequences of that sin. And I cannot heal them. Because the disease of the sin has drawn them in deeper than they wanted to go. And at the last it kills. The word lies there in Romans chapter 1 is the word to entice. Lie means to entice. Satan enticed Adam in Eve with a lie. The things our mind thinks about that are evil, the things our heart goes after, they're lies to entice us. The word lies also means that which claims to bring pleasure and happiness when the truth is it is a destroyer. The lie means it will bring you happiness. It will fulfill your life. He's the greatest thing that would ever happen to you. She's the greatest thing that would ever happen to you. There's nothing wrong with doing this. There's nothing wrong with doing that. We close our eyes. We close our ears. We don't want to hear anything that changes the way we feel. We don't want anything to make us feel uncomfortable about the way we live. So, well, you know, I, I'm not going to hear that message on Romans. I'm not going to tune in on the Internet and listen to that message on Romans because I really don't want to hear that. I really don't want to see that. I really don't want to accept that. I believe that is for some people that's not for me after all my sin's not too bad you keep believing a lie and it will keep deceiving and then it will bring you down into further destruction and the pleasure that sin promises the, 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 the happiness that sin promises it's a liar and it will never fulfill the high that crack, the high that meth, the high that sex, the high that lust, the high that fame, the high that any type of sin that pride Anything, religious pride, whatever it is. It can never give. The only one who can give fruit that is eternal is God. And that's by living according to his word. Sin will destroy the body, family, friends, soul, your profession, your mind, your will, your hope, your values, your future, your life. The pleasures of sin for a season. Your life may seem to be okay for a season. Everything seems to continue working out for a season, but then the word warns, but your sin will find you out. What is done in darkness shall be brought to light. And Paul is crying out here by the authority of God for the church to wake up. And don't not break the heart of God and let him re feel regret that he has to release you to the consequences of sin. Our sin involves ourselves and it also involves others. And if it involves others, it also destroys others. How many times does affairs? It doesn't destroy the two. 
Oh, no. It destroys four families, six families, eight families, churches that the families go to, future reunions, future happiness, children. Then they end up falling under the curse of divorce. They have the hurts of not having their father or their mother. And all of this for a moment of pleasure that ends in destroying countless lives that Jesus came to set free. Sin is a heavy taskmaster. It will promise you happiness and joy and it will promise you many things, but it cannot give what it promises. But what sin does promise, the lifestyle of sin does promise, is destruction. Heartache and pain and more sin, more slavery, and more roots of the enemy growing down deep because they reject. The unbeliever's rejection is willful, always deliberate. He sees and hears, yet he refuses to really open his eyes and ears. He refuses to understand. Why does a person act like this and rebel and refuse to understand? Christ said, this people's heart has become calloused. That word Greek says, the people's heart has grown overweight. Being fat indicates senselessness to eat anything and to eat everything, adding weight upon weight. The word fat, obesity, comes from that word there where it talks about just continue to eat. I can't give the Twinkies up. I can't give the things that are harmful to me up. It tastes too good. I don't like greens. I don't like water. I don't like orange juice. And just like that in the natural where people don't want to take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit and you just add fat upon fat. And you, continue, you know, once you start eating like you're not supposed to eat and you get addicted to chocolate and you get addicted to ice cream and you got to have a gallon instead of a little bowl, you grow. Just watch The Biggest Loser. They'll draw you a map of what you look like if you don't start losing weight now. Well, that's the same thing the work in the Greek is saying here. You just go ahead and do that little sin and watch how that little sin grow into a big sin. And the bigger the sin is, like the more you weigh, it's a lot easier to go from 200 to 180 than to go from 500 to 180. And it's the same way with sin. The bigger and the more time sin has to grow, the harder it is to lose it. Christ was therefore seeing this, and the unbeliever has become so central and senseless that he rebels and refuses to understand the secrets of God, and his foolishness is due to worldliness and lust for the things of the world. Therefore, he is deceived by the evil one. He rejects God. By rejecting God, the person who deliberately chooses to be blind and who rejects the understanding is given over to a just punishment. The unbelief and constant sin continue rejection leads to a a judgmental blindness of being rejected by God. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ tonight? How many are thankful that we once was blind, but now we see? Aren't you thankful that the blood and the grace of Jesus Christ covers a multitude of sins? Aren't you thankful tonight that you're born again and your name is in the Lamb's book of life? And if you're not, you can be.
If you are overweighted and you're overweighted with sin, you can be free of that because the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide you out and empower you and give you an anointing. You may say, you know what, I can't conquer this. There is an anointing in the Holy Ghost. He says, you tarry until you be endued and you be baptized in the power to with the Holy Spirit can rise up on the inside of you to where you are able to say, Satan, get behind me. Alcohol and drugs and sex and perversion, get behind me. I take authority over you through the power of Jesus' name. As Paul said, he had authority to write to the saints about the consequences of sin. Satan and devils of hell and flesh, I tell you through the authority of the word of God, that greater is he that is in me than anything you're trying to entice my eyes or my ears with. I have made a covenant with my eyes that I shall not behold evil. And I have made a covenant with my ears that I shall not behold or listen to the report of the evilness of the enemy. But I have the helmet of salvation and the armor of God wherewith I am strong to stand in the power of God and withstand the evilness of the enemy. I am not going to be pulled down by the weightiness of sin, but I'm going to stand up in the risen victory of Jesus Christ because no one was more deader than Jesus. And God wanted to show me that anybody as dead as Jesus Jesus was able to be raised up, then anybody as dead as I am can be raised up. Anybody as hopeless as me can be raised up. Anybody as bound as me can be loosed. Anybody as, as brought down and seemed to not be able to have a future. But my Jesus had a future. And my Jesus, who was down as low as you can get, was raised up to the highest of all high. And I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. And my future is not the damnation of hell, but it's the victory through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the victory of the living word and the authority wherewith we are able to withstand the evilness of temptation and make the devil cry and whine as he did at Calvary that he cannot win over you. Devils of hell weep tonight. Well, because there is a people that will not bow their knees to anyone else but the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let the devils wail and whine. They're shrill from hell tonight. That there are still a people who know how to say no to the devil and yes to God, who have not closed their hearts and mind to God and the yielding of the Holy Spirit to walk pleasing Him. Amen. Genesis 6, 6, 3, then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever. I'm, I'm not going to work on you forever. I've, I have called, and I have called, I've called you. Men are without excuse because I've given you every sign that there is to say, I am there, and I do see, and I do know. My spirit would not always contend with men. Psalms 81, 11, and 12. But my people would not, li- my people would not listen to me. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're so holy. And Lord, you've always had a people that wouldn't listen to you. And your words are the words of life. God, give us ears to hear. We desire to hear you, not to be of those who do not listen. Israel, 
would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow after their own devices. Proverbs 29.1 A man who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy or escape. I'm calling you. Stop. Humble yourselves. Repent. Cry out to me. Get out of the church that makes you comfortable in the pig pen. Get in a church that preaches the word of God like it is written with the authority of God on it. Don't stay in a place where you can be comfortable because being comfortable equals closed-mindedness, hard-heartedness, rebellion, stiff neck. It says that they harden their hearts, they deafen their ears, they close their eyes, they deny what they see, they refuse to understand, and they fight conversion. And listen, by confiding conversion, you fight healing. You fight peace. You fight restoration. But Jesus is calling you to a higher life that has no destruction but has eternity of blessedness and peace. He promises you a pleasure that outdoes the love of million women, as David said, thousands, or men. He's got a pleasure and a joy and a peace. There's something in his voice that is greater than any of the voices. His praise for you overcoming the most simplest thing is greater than any seduction or seductive voice that would praise you to bring you down to the pit. His voice is the sweetest. His voice is the kindness. His voice is truth. When he says he loves you, he loves you for your good. When he says he cares, it's not about getting anything in return. When he says he loves us, when he says he wants, he has our best in stored. He's not lying or deceiving or bringing us down a path to destruction. He's bringing us to a life everlasting. He spoke time and time again. The pathway you've chosen is the pathway of destruction. Wide is the gate. Oh, it's full of pleasures. But it's full of punishment too. Doesn't matter how many movies Hollywood makes, doesn't matter how many songs those singers sing and write, doesn't matter how many pictures they make, it doesn't matter what new technology they come out to give somebody into a higher realm of pleasure. There is a realm of pleasure that goes into the heavens of heavens. But if you allow the Holy Spirit in worshiping him just to flood your hearts and your mind 
there's such a joy and an eternal peace that will cause you to fall in such love with God that the love of the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of the glorious face of Jesus Christ. Lord, I praise you that tonight we have ears that desires to hear. We have eyes that desire to see. Thank you that you said that I would take out from you the stony hearts. And I would put into you hearts of flesh. And I will be your God and you will be my people. You will not be a stiff-necked people anymore. You will not be rebellious, foolish children anymore who do not know me. For I will make you to know me from the least to the greatest. Each one shall know me as their God and their father, their leader, their guide. And I will guide you into all truth and is that truth that I'm guiding you into that will set you free. I will bring you to a place that you'll no longer live a life disappointed. There's so many who cry out in the midst of their disappointment. That not only have they disappointed me, but they have disappointed those that they love and those that they cherish that they cannot even touch anymore. But it is written in the word that where sin abounds, love does that much more abound. So we humble ourselves tonight and we cry out for grace and we cry out for mercy. Father God, forgive us of our sins. Cause us to walk softly and humbly and sensitive before you. That we may not be as those children who do not heed you and do not understand or know you or desire to. Bring healing in this house by bringing truth in this house. Let us desire truth more than we desire our own lives. It's your truth that sets us free. And we thank you for the grace and the provision and the door of the opportunity, the tombstone rolled away for us as Jesus made the way, our elder brother made the way for us to go through and to leave the old life behind and enter into the new realm of the spirit dressed in the glory of Jesus Christ. That we are able to put off the old man, that the new man of Christ be revealed not only for those who do not know you, but that you from your throne can see that we are Christ-like and there are more like your son after the only begotten one, the first begotten from the dead. There are more and we are here tonight to praise you in spirit and in truth with hearts that are holy and lifting up holy hands before you tonight. Wash us and purify us and I pray for my brother and my sister the struggles or whatever area may be in their life. Thank you that we're here tonight because we desire, we do desire to be changed and therefore you will not abandon us. No, you will not leave us. You will not regretfully sorrow lift your hand of covering. But as the prodigal children, we run to you for you to grab us and hug us and kiss us and to once again cover us and bring your blessing down upon us. We desire the fear of the Lord in reverence of you and your holiness and the reverence of your word. 
Forgive us for being a people who can sit in church through a message and daydream while the authority of the Word of God is being taught. Forgive us for being a people that now we can text, we can write notes, we can whisper, and miss out on your whispers. The thunders and the desires are so loud that we cannot hear the voice of the one who walks in the garden. We cry out for our ears and our eyes to be open and our hearts to be available tonight. That you move and deliver us. We thank you for the book of Romans. We thank you for the revelation you gave through the Apostle Paul for us today to receive. That we study to show ourselves approved workmen that we will not be ashamed on that day because we take heed to the word of God tonight. Thank you for these who are faithful and come. Thank you for these who are willing to count the cost and on that day when that trumpet blows they shall be dressed in white and they shall be crowned and their name shall be mentioned before the Father. Thank you for the precious blood that covers us tonight. Blessed be the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who forgives our iniquities and throws them in the sea of forgiveness and gives us the strength to live the new life. We receive it by faith and we give you glory and we give you praise for it. Seal us with the Holy Spirit unto the day of salvation. And we pray that not one be lost, even as Christ prayed over his disciples. We pray in Jesus' name as your head is bowed and your eyes is closed. I'm just going to ask you, if you're here tonight, it was not an accident. It's in the divine destiny of God that you're here to hear the word tonight. Because he cares for you, he loves you, and he's reaching out to you. If you're here tonight and your life is not right with God, get it right now. By raising your hand right there where you are, saying, I need forgiveness, I need salvation, I need Jesus to be Lord of my life. If that's you, raise your hand right there where you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Would everyone please stand? Everyone please stand. Those who raised their hand, I know you're born again, but I know you just want to rededicate your life. Would you come to the front? Brother Mike, others, would you all come up to the front? We're going to pray for them as they come tonight. And I believe we all need to rededicate our life to Jesus. I believe this is an awakening message and how we need it at this time. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. We need a healer. And his name is Jesus. Anyone else tonight, you want to come forward as we pray? Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. When you walked in, I don't know if 
anybody greeted you. I saw you standing at the door in the cell phone. But I know the Holy Spirit greeted you. And we're glad you're here tonight. Each and every one of you. Can we put our hands upon our heart and let's just rededicate our lives to Jesus tonight. Is there anyone up here who has not received Jesus before? I know, uh, I know everybody have. You've received him before. So I know we're rededicating our lives new tonight. And I rededicate my life with you. Let's all just say with me. Holy Father. I humble myself now. And from the depths of my sin. Even as Jonah was in the depths of the sea. He couldn't get any lower. He cried out to you. And you rescued him. You redeemed him. Right now, I cry out to you. This poor man cries out to you. And you hear my cry. I am sorry for the wickedness and the sinful ways that I have fallen to. Forgive me of all my sins, known and unknown. And receive me again as your child. Wash me and cleanse me right now through the Spirit and through your blood. And I thank you that you are faithful and you are true to forgive me and cleanse me of all sin. Thank you, Father, that I am saved. I am born again. I have new life. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when I die, I'm going to heaven. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Devil, you lose. Go from my life. I am a child of God. I am blood-bought. I am redeemed. My life is not yours. My life belongs to Jesus. I renounce you. I renounce darkness. I renounce your kingdom. And I belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. We praise You, Lord. We praise You that every bondage, every addiction, all forms of pleasure are loosening their grip. And we are grabbing hold of the horns, horns of the altar of mercy. And we are released from the bondages of our past. We have crossed over <laughs> into the restfulness and the healing power of our God. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Just raise your hands and thank Him. Thank you, God. Let Him put the ring on your finger. Let Him put the ring on your finger. Let Him put the ring on your finger. Let Him put the robe of righteousness upon you. The spots and wrinkles, He's removing. As you praise Him and you thank Him, let Him remove the spots and the wrinkles. Let Him remove the spots and the wrinkles.
He's put a ring upon your finger. <laughs> He's put shoes upon your feet. Shoes of peace. He's, he's kissing you. <laughs> the Father is kissing you right now. He's blessing and re-anointing you for His glory and for His service. And we give you praise and we give you glory. Hallelujah. Those of you who are up here, there are people around you who love you and there are people around you to minister.